Hi, friends. You're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We are joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social. Too many lawyers are too focused on like number of pages typed. That's mm-hmm. not the value proposition to a small, medium-sized business. And yeah. we lose focus on relationship connection because we are so trained that our value prop is in deliverable mm-hmm. of documents. That is yeah. not value in a business. It's not, you should be doing less documents, not more. What a conversation I've just had with today's guest. Chad Aboud is someone who started his career in private practice and after a six-month spell travelling the world, he moved in-house for a new challenge. Having set up the legal function from the ground up at his current company, Chad is well equipped to share what it takes to set yourself up for success. From building relationships to understanding the human behind the professional and how legal tech can support in this context, we covered it all in this conversation. So without further ado, let's jump in. Chad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) No problem at all. Um, Firstly, I love your shirt. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's Canada, you know, you got to bring some of the like springtime feeling even during the winter. So, oh, I like that. Well, it's about like three degrees or something here. I don't know about for you. So I'm I'm all for we should have worn Hawaiian shirts or something. (laughs) I am a sucker for those. Um, yeah, well, it's lovely, lovely to have you on the podcast um, and looking forward to hearing all um, all your juicy thoughts and things like that. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. I was having a look at your your LinkedIn, obviously, again, just before you, before you popped on to check out um, all your experience and whatnot. It would be great for the listeners if you could just have a, a bit of a run through and tell us a bit about your background, please. Sure. So, um so I did uh, law school in Toronto, Canada, and um, the typical path for lawyers in Canada, is because we have an articling program, kind of that one-year apprenticeship before you can officially become a lawyer, is you typically start out at a law firm um, because they provide most of those positions. And so I started mm-hmm. at one of the national law firms through that program um, based out of Toronto, and I was a capital markets and corporate lawyer supporting companies who wanted to become public or already public, helping them do financings and M&A. And I did that for about five years at that firm. And, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for professional services and the training and the rigor. And, you know, people are just really sharp and balancing Mm -hmm. a lot of really technical and, you know, deep concepts in in really quick time. And so Mm -hmm. that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to join National Law Firm in the beginning, because I just had so much respect for that training. And, and it's true, you know, like it, I chose it for a reason and it was all of that. The people are super brilliant and, and so really enjoyed it. And so I was doing that for about five years. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I noticed for myself because I, I did a joint um, law and MBA program is I always knew that mm-hmm. I was really interested in like industries and functions and, 
you know, I, I like the law, but I like it as mm-hmm. much as I like other things. I just happened to go to law school because I liked the show Matlock as a kid. Um, <laughs> Andy Griffith, you know? And so, and so I always knew that I wanted to learn more and experience more about industries and functions mm-hmm. and, and just I'm a bit of a curious George that way. And mm-hmm. as I was going through in my first five years of private practice, I realized that I was really supporting a transaction which makes sense, but less so the operational day-to-day of a business. And I was just curious about like, okay, so what happens? You know, we slammed these companies together, injected a whole bunch of money. Like what happens now? Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was kind of a push for me to think about, okay, so like where is the career journey going to go? And, um, and so before I took that next step, my partner and I actually traveled around the world for six months. So that was kind of the, the kind of break between law firm, private practice life, and then in industry life. And so traveled around the world for six months and really gave Mm -hmm. me a chance, again, to be curious about life and curious way different people operate and how they think and what they do. And and then when I came back, I said to myself, okay, so I want to go into industry. And I wanted it, I was still living in Toronto at the time. So I wanted it to be like a big brand, but a small legal function. Mm -hmm. And, um, and wanted to be about something where I could learn a lot about functions. And so I joined one of Canada's biggest kind of uh, retailer and e-tailers called Indigo. And is based in Toronto, small legal team, really friendly folks doing lots of big things, international expansions, e-commerce expansions. And so I was there for three years, kind of learning what it's like to be a lawyer in industry, which is so different mm-hmm. than being a lawyer in private practice and did that for three years, really liked it, lovely people. And then during that kind of phase, I started saying to myself, like, okay, so what's motivating now? Is it a different Mm -hmm. industry or what is it? And what I felt would be most motivating would be to build my own function. And the curiosity of like being a leader of a function and then building that function from its processes and humans and relationships. And um, and so then I said to myself, like, well, I've been buying a lot of tech and that's interesting. And kind of the engineer brain is interesting to me. And so mm-hmm. maybe it's going to a tech company and building a function there. And, and so that's what I've been doing the past three years is I moved to a portfolio of companies called Audience View. And what we do is, you know, 80% of the business is B2B white labeled SaaS software for the live events industry. So West End London theaters, Broadway theaters, big universities. Um, and so when they're having their ticket buyers go through their buy flow, that's, you know, good chances, our products in the background providing that experience. And then 20% is a B2C channel for West End London theater goers, Broadway theater goers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just wanted to, I thought it'd be really cool to build a function and yeah. build that legal relationship in, in a company. And so that's what I've been doing the past three years. And obviously it's been an interesting journey, especially over the last, the last couple Yes, I can imagine, certainly, especially if it's, uh, you know, kind of events-based products. I can imagine that was a, a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there was lots on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, for, well, firstly, what a great way to kind of end the transition, well, between in-house and private practice with us six months traveling <laughs> around the world. That sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you know, my, my partner and I, we were saying to each other, like a lot of people think about that type of trip, you know, maybe when they're retiring. And what we said to ourselves was like, you know, it's just so unfortunate that like sometimes that opportunity doesn't present itself, you know, mm-hmm. in, in your 60s or your 70s for whatever reasons. And, and we said to ourselves, we know we have the opportunity now. We have the flexibility to do it. And so we did it. And it was um life-changing experience. And, you know, we talk about those memories every day. And But I think, too, we did it not just for our personal enjoyment, but also for like our professional betterment, like mm-hmm. knowing how other people think 
takes you out of this default position where simply because of wherever you grew up, that's the way to do it. And that's, that's not the way the world operates anymore with like the globalization of the world. And it's not just your clients, it's your own employees, especially in this fully remote environment that so many companies are in is that knowing or having a sense that like at a bare minimum, people live and breathe in a different way in different places based on their circumstances Mm -hmm. and having like a respect and an understanding and a curiosity for that is really important to success, you know, professionally, not just personally. And so that was actually one of the reasons too, why we knew it was important to do while we were still in like the heart of our careers and not at the end of it. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. It's so easy to kind of stay in your own bubble and not even realize what how big the horizon is until you, mm-hmm. you go and experience it. So yeah, I'm totally with you there. Love it. <laughs> and, and what did you think? How did you, how did you find the transition when you came back between um, private practice and in-house? So it was huge and I, and I expected it and liked it. Yeah. Um, it is a massive difference on many, on many kind of vectors. One is being a seller of something versus a buyer of something is very, mm-hmm. very different. And, and that's how I think about the legal services industry. There are sellers and there are buyers. And I know we talk about, you know, your firm or your clients, but at the end of the day, you're just buyers and sellers. And, and I think it's an, actually an important way to think about the business because it makes you offer your service, hopefully, in a way of understanding that buyers can choose to pick up their money and, and go wherever they want with it. And maybe that's a good mm-hmm. thing for the industry that you know historically felt that like things were so ingrained and we're never going to move anywhere that change also wasn't necessary. And so when I shifted yeah. to the buy side, my big realization was I thought when I was a, when I was a seller of legal services, how am I ever going to be massively successful? Everyone's smart, everyone's working hard and I just thought there was no room to differentiate myself. It was actually one of the reasons why I left. When Mm -hmm. I went on the buy side, what I realized is, yes, people are smart, but the way in which you provide your services is so disparate and misses the mark on the humanity side of being a service provider in a massive Mm -hmm. way. Yes, the technical answer is there, but the how, not just the what there's so much low hanging fruit there. And, and I really became, that became very visible to me as a buyer. So that was a massive change. Mm -hmm. The other massive change was understanding that you are not the core function. So people do not understand always what you do, what you say, how you do it, what matters. And now you're a support function of a business in an industry that does something totally different than provide legal services. And so, you know, at at the place that I first moved to, it was a big retailer and e-tailer. So we're selling consumer goods. So that's Mm -hmm. what drives the business. And so now when you're thinking about legal services, you internal legal services, you have to fold them into supporting that business. Mm -hmm. And so like your corporate goals, the company's risk appetite, the company's age and stage on the continuum of where they want to be on a maturity scale versus like flexibility and optionality scale. Like you have to learn all this stuff. You don't get to choose it. So you have to learn and be curious about stakeholders, really curious, otherwise you're useless. And so that was a massive shift. It was one I knew was coming, but experiencing Mm -hmm. it was something very different. Um, So those Mm -hmm. are probably the two biggest ones and I really enjoyed it and I still really enjoy it. It's the reason why I stay on the industry side. Um, But those are huge changes. I actually think if you wanna be a seller of legal services, you should be required to or better yet, voluntarily want to spend time in industry. So you'd actually know what it is, what the day-to-day world of a buyer looks like 
it would inform how you sell. Yeah, exactly. Putting in someone else's shoes. So you can fully understand the pain points and yeah, completely. That's right. How they use what you would give them, what matters to them, what wins are to them. Mm -hmm. There is a huge delta between value to a lawyer in a firm and what determines their value, book of business, hours worked, versus a lawyer in industry, which is more Mm -hmm. corporate success and stakeholder perception of you. These are very, very different things. And I think if you don't understand what industry lawyers are measured against, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to offer and sell them something that will give them value. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think the last time we spoke, you said something which I absolutely loved. It was around the business operates with the art of the possible <laughs> and legal and, and lawyers operate with the art of the reality. Could you tell us a bit more about that and, and how, if it's possible to, to lessen the gap? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Business, the, the magic of really successful business people is they think of what the beautiful result is going to be, right? That's their job. And that's their training is like the magic of what is out there and what could be done. Really successful business people typically are not self-restraining their ideas. And so and they know there's other people in the business, different functions, whether it's like, an IT function or a finance function or a legal function, they know there's other people there that are going to take the art of the possible and make it as close to it with the reality. But as a lawyer, you know, it depends on what industry and what company and where they are in their maturity or regulation stage. But for a lot of like small to medium sized businesses, you really want to get on board with the art of the possible as much Mm -hmm. as you can, you know, because there are not a lot of wins for small and medium sized companies for front end restricting things before you even start down the journeys. And so as you become an industry lawyer, and if you're staying in that pocket, you need to feel and demonstrate an excitement for the art of the possible, because this is where the vast majority of the business lives. And then understanding through like curiosity, where it is that the business has real either risk or lack of maturity, such that you can find a way to fill the gap or at a bare minimum, Mm -hmm bring that visibility up front as much as possible. So that's kind of baked Mm -hmm. into the like total ROI of the project. But you got to understand that the art of the possible is the way business people operate. Instead of living in a building full of lawyers that are only worried about like the art of, you know, minimum reality. It's a, it's a very big difference. And I think Mm -hmm. you got to get excited about that and then find your role based on the maturity and continuum of the company of like how much of the, I love it, but maybe let's take it down this version of the stream instead Mm -hmm. so that we don't have too much rework or pain or like customer frustration that jams up our support function. And like that kind of awareness comes with being curious, Mm -hmm. being humble and learning and understanding that like you're there to provide insight based on your curiosity and learning, not coming in with a hammer and saying like, don't do any of that. It's too exhausting for business people. It's not the way they think. Yeah, completely. It's almost taking the big the big possible idea and finding a way to make it work in the context in which was intended initially that's right well and also too i think this is the other thing about business folks that a lot of lawyers especially those that have never worked in industry don't understand is that Mm -hmm. i think also business people are more agile in many ways in terms of where their thinking will go so like just because they say let's do this thing i think business people the way they think their brain already recognizes it could be a variety of things might be that 
might be other things, might be a more beautiful thing than that. Whereas I think lawyers get very stressed out because when you work with only lawyers, when they say, let's do that thing, it's typically going to be that thing. It doesn't mm -hmm. deviate that far from that thing. So when yeah. a lot of lawyers who shift into industry hear a business person say this huge thing that's over here, I think they get a little bit worried because they think it is only going to be that thing. It has to be that thing. And oh my God, there's going to be so many problems on the way. Whereas the reality is it ends up being a variety of things. Sometimes you don't do mm -hmm. it for business reasons. Sometimes you find something even cooler to do. And so, you know, I think the ability to like breathe, be patient, understand that the business mind and the business realities are going to take it many, many, many ways before you even have to hit some of those issues is very yeah. helpful for an industry lawyer instead of getting overly stressed too early. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It's cool. It's a challenge for sure. But yeah, like oh, you said, very hard. I imagine one that comes with experience as well, as you get used to speaking that different language, because it's quite, it's quite a literal way of thinking and speaking, I suppose. Um, it, that's right. It does come with versus... seeing all the projects go and seeing mm -hmm. and like then having those experiences as part of your communication toolkit, yeah. right? Of being like, that sounds like another beautiful thing, probably doable. We learned from that other thing we did that that was a pain point that nobody wants to relive again. So we're going to front end that piece. This other one feels like it. So we yeah. could also front end that piece. And like, I think there's some of that kind of experience that you bring when you move companies, when you move industries, or just in different projects as you grow in your company that you bring as like a reminder with options for solutions. People appreciate that, I, I think, if you can set it up in the right way. So in-house lawyers should look to shift from the art of the reality to the art of the possible. To lessen this gap, remember that business people might throw out a grand idea, but don't get overly worried from the outset. They're likely open to other options and the path to achieving their goal may change. Next up, Chad shares how we can set up tools and systems that free up capacity to add real value. And, and now, obviously, you're with uh, Audience View, and you mentioned when you arrived, you wanted to set up a legal function. So what stage did you come in at and kind of what were the first few things that you were thinking about? So it's a really interesting portfolio. So it's, it's a portfolio of about five companies that all support the live events industry that were, that each have their own 20 year history and have only been brought together, kind of slammed together in the last three to five years. And none of those companies on their own had a lot of, they were product and sales companies. And so they never had like a full-time legal department. A lot of them would mm -hmm. have either no or part-time outsourced legal functions and, and same for a variety of other functions. And so the first thing is like at a bare minimum, it's even like the administration of like how you set up kind of like some bare bones, like document management structure so that like you have something and it's not just a place where stuff gets dumped, but even just a way of like an order to it. Like organizing the chaos, I think is like underappreciated mm -hmm. because, you know, when I think of things, there's like a structure, a naming convention. And I learned this yeah. when I went into industry too. Law firm lawyers don't know this because they have document management tools that do this for them. When you go into industry, you often don't have these things. And so you actually have to create your own like nomenclature and, and styles and you got to be consistent about it so that when business stakeholders, if they have access to these folders, or even for yourself, and you're like digging through an aggregate of 100 years of history of things, 
you do not want to lose brain power on naming conventions of what is that document. Yeah. And so you have to set up your structure so that when you look at things, you're like, you know, in my example, it's like year in a certain style, name mm -hmm. of, of, of counterparty, name of document, and then dash like draft file, file executed. Like just so that it's kind of like when you wear the same outfit every day, I don't do this, but you know how people talk about how I like you save the brain energy. Yes. Like I try to think <laughs> of things to save brain energy and feel more organized because it reduces heart palpitations. And anytime yeah. you can save energy, especially in like a small to medium sized enterprise, that energy needs to be deployed to value, not administration. Mm -hmm. So like, that's one thing is you got to set up that stuff. You also need to do like some level of inventory of like, who are the stakeholders? What have they been doing? What have they not been doing? What matters against the company goalposts and, and risk appetite? And then starting to do some level of assessment of like, even your providers, how disparate of your providers, mm -hmm. how good are your providers? Why do they have all these different pieces? Especially when you join a place that's growing and has a lot of M&A, you're going to have a lot of disparate providers. You got to assess them. You got to organize it so that you don't have to think about like your IP portfolio. We use them for this and them for this and them for this and them for this. And it's like, it's too much management. It's too much wasted time. You didn't go into the industry to be a timekeeper. Ideally, you go in there to show value. But the way you get yeah. to value is by opening up your time and freeing your capacity. So Completely. you have to set up these structures with tools or at the bare minimum, like a human level of intelligence to the basic tools you have so mm -hmm. that you free up capacity. So like, those are some of the bare bones things that you do when you go in there. And then the third thing that allows you to do more is relationship building. Yeah. You gotta understand who the humans are, understand where they are on the continuum, their goals as against the company's goals, understanding the nature, the technical support that they need now in the medium term and in the long term. You know, small companies have a small legal department. So you're typically one or one or two people. You gotta use your time judiciously. And so I think like learning that, all that stuff takes like six months at a minimum to even wrap your arms around, especially a business that's a legacy business, takes a yeah. long time just to start cleaning it up. But once you get it starting to clean up and you bring in tools and process, then your world is opened up to do more value. Yeah, for sure. And I think the relationship thing is probably a, a tricky thing, especially for lawyers who are coming from private practice you know, these business people are kind of thinking and operating differently than, than they would, and your fellow lawyers would be operating in, in private practice. What are the kind of main learning curves or how can you best set yourself up for success with that? Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about this exact thing when I was thinking about my transition. And so mm -hmm. when I was thinking about how do I move into industry also, because a lot of law firm lawyers are very specialist. Yeah. Whereas if you're a in a small legal function in industry, you're doing everything. Yeah. And, and you don't say, Hey, I'm only called to the bar in this jurisdiction. So I only do that type of law. It doesn't exist. You do everything <laughs> all around the world all the time. Right. So when I thought about that, I thought to myself, I want to go to a big brand that has a lot of functions and, you know, I kind of wanted to feel the work that I, I wanted to see it in the market, but I wanted mm -hmm. a small legal function. I didn't want to be the only one because I didn't know yeah. anything about being an industry lawyer. Yeah. But I wanted to have responsibility. And so like, that was kind of my mindset. And, and so my thought process was don't go straight from being in a law firm to running a legal function in a company and industry. Yeah. For me, I was like, I don't know that I think there'd be too much negative pressure. I wouldn't even enjoy it because I don't know what I don't know yet. So that's why I want yeah. to spend some time in industry, you know, as like the third lawyer to like mm -hmm. learn and see the relationship building and the process building because that is a lot of value. It's not about mm -hmm. number of documents. It's about amount of education, amount of 
scale, amount of decentralization, amount of relationship building. It's very different value props. So I wanted to learn it. And so mm-hmm. then when I, when I kind of came in and then I started, I, I could do those pieces. When I think about the relationship side of it, I really start to think to myself, like, number one, personal bond. I think of work relationships in a very similar way as personal relationships. People mm-hmm. only tell you what they want to tell you. People yeah. tell you more things when they feel a connection with you. So instead of jamming substance and like legal things down people's throat, I hate that. I always think about like, who is Steph? Like, where is she from? What does she do? Why does she work there? Where did she come from? What's the motivation for the change? Like, to the extent you create a personal connection, like what's your personal life kind of look like? Like, have you always lived here? Like, where are you from? Like, what do you like? And because the more you can create like a bond with someone on any level, that's not purely about the work, the more people will just want to talk to you. Yeah. And as you know, in personal relationships, the more people talk to you instead of you talking at them, the more you learn about them. The more you learn about them, the more you can digest how you can best support them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think like you got to be careful not to scare away the deer with the headlights, right? Like a lot of business people haven't dealt with lawyers before. They see the big headlights yeah. and then they run away in the forest and you never find them again. You got too many things to do. Whereas for me, I more think to myself, like create a bond, let the deer come out of their own volition because they're like, oh, I like this person. And I yeah. see that he can probably help me. I don't even know yet but I'm sure he will. Mm-hmm. And then that way you learn more and you let people know, listen, everyone's on a continuum here. We don't got to solve everything today. You know, I'm going to make your life easier, not harder. I've done it before and we'll do it again here. It gives people a confidence and a reason yeah. to connect with you. Yeah, completely. And I think it breaks down the barriers from what um, the rest of the business maybe traditionally thought of legal. A lot of bad experiences out there. I hate to say it about my, my fellow lawyers, but you know, too many lawyers are too focused on like number of pages typed. That's mm-hmm. not the value proposition to a small, medium sized business. And yeah, we lose focus on relationship connection because we are so trained that our value prop is in deliverable mm-hmm. of documents. That is yeah. not value in a business. It's not you should be doing less documents, not more. Yeah, that's that's how you know that you're creating value, right? So I I think we get confused over that. We get stressed about it and we want to deliver more documents. Well, the only way you can deliver more documents is by working in documents more. And therefore you (laughs) lose time to create relationships. You're actually doing a disservice to pretty much every small and medium sized business because they don't think that way. And if you choose Mm -hmm. to be an industry at a small, medium sized enterprise, you want to understand their world so that you can layer into it. You don't get to bring a new world. It's not the way it works. Or they just dislike you and they don't use you. And you become the cleanup crew because you weren't involved yeah. in the front end of the project. And that's a horrible experience. Any lawyer will tell you that. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. No, thank you. And um, if what, why is this so important? Why is it so important to have good relationships with stakeholders across the business? Well, I think it's because, you know, when you work in a cross-functional place, if you're someone that people connect to, especially as like a lawyer and there's other functions, finance or whatever, that will touch all the functions in different ways. And so yeah. you actually learn a lot. If, you, if you're curious, if you're like humble with your energy, you learn. And by learning, yeah. you're like, oh, Steph's doing this thing. Hey, Tony, did you know that? And Tony's going to be like, what? I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad I know that. Now I don't have to do that thing or I can layer into Steph's thing or she can layer into my thing. We can get more value out of that. And you can, you can create more value for the company that way. Mm-hmm. By, and you're not doing more work in documents. You're like connecting humans because as every company wants to not have a siloed thing, but it's very, very difficult. Yeah. You know, people are very busy and they're trying to deliver on, on projects. 
and people start sometimes working their own function. But the benefit of legal is if you're good and you have bonds and people start coming to you. When they come to yeah. you, if you continue to learn, you know what they're doing. If you know what they're doing, you can support them from like a growth perspective, from a connection perspective, also from a risk perspective. Like, mm -hmm. hey, we're doing that thing. Well, did you know that the company changed a program that way? And actually we can't offer that thing anymore because we wouldn't support it that way. And that person's like, well, good thing I know that now so that I before yeah. I start selling that thing. Like, it's just, it's never as perfect as you want in cross-function communication, but a lawyer mm -hmm. can help with that. Yeah. If you decide you want to be a relationships person more than a documents person, you can actually provide mm -hmm. that value where many companies just do not have the resource to do it as perfectly as they would like. Yeah, completely. I was speaking to um, one of our customers the other day and she was saying that legal is the point of entry and the point of exit for almost <laughs> all work in the business. And because of that, it, it, she's able to add such value on the leadership team um, from a yeah. legal perspective. Um, yeah, and she just kind of has oversight of everything going on. So I think that's a really good point. It, it probably like allows, you know, your, your contact there to like provide value in thoughts and analysis and insights that are not legal focused. Like yeah. I'm always very sensitive to that, right? Like most businesses, especially non-regulated ones don't really want to talk about legal stuff. Even regulated businesses don't want to talk about legal stuff. They just have to. And so if you mm -hmm. can frame up your support of the business around a business objective and make sure that key legal things can be layered in underneath, then you can talk about business things yep. just like business people do. And lawyers yeah. are smart folks and they can do it. And so if you start seeing more things, you can provide insights that like, you only have to talk about legal stuff and then you get to be part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah completely. It's being a business person with a legal specialism, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, Everyone says it, but it's a, it's a lot of humility and curiosity to get there. The value of creating a human connection cannot be underestimated. Creating a bond by getting to know the person behind the professional will help you work more effectively together. So we understand the value and the importance of creating relationships, but how can we identify what is a win for these stakeholders? Let's hear from Chad. And yeah. um, you mentioned earlier as well um, about trying to understand what the wins are for these other stakeholders and the people across the business. How can you identify what those are and what will, what can you do with it? Yeah, so I think one, one big thing that I've really tried to like take into my you know work mentality is I don't just ask one question. I try to ask like many layers of questions because Mm -hmm. different functions come from different backgrounds of training, expertise, responsibilities, but we'll use similar words about yes. timing or a deliverable or a need or a pressure, but it actually has a different definition to them, whether they've thought that through or not, than other mm -hmm. functions will. And so for me, I try to like drill down in as friendly and as humorous a way as possible on what it really means to them when they say those words. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can, when you can learn that, when you can understand what it means, you can better articulate, is this like near medium, long-term where on the continuum are you trying to be? I like using 10 point scales to people just to like really give someone a reference point really quickly. Like you need or want to be a two, five or nine out of 10. And you know, as you move up the continuum, it takes more internal effort and sometimes external cost. Like, where are you trying to get to 
And in mm -hmm. three months, nine months, 12 months, what's the goal? I try to understand those things. And I think mm -hmm. that a 10 point scale or a time period of quarters, like that stuff's actually a bit more universal than the yeah. words that the stakeholder said to you as a lawyer. And that yeah. way you can start regulating between the businesses about like risk profile, corporate goals, actual timing, how good we need to be, because you're always triaging your time and energy as an internal lawyer. And unless you understand and unpack what the competing priorities actually mean, mm -hmm. you're just going to think everything's a fire alarm all the time. And you're going to yeah. blow through your energy all the time without understanding what is, what is a win? Is a win an ability to show a near-term success to the market? Or is the win to take a bite out of something, but to be able to tell a story for a longer-term success? Yeah. Like, unless you understand that, you don't really know how to deploy your energy. And so that's kind of how I, how I try to get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's yeah. It, it's, relationships really are key, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Words mean different things to different people, but the word sounds the same and you got to be yes. careful about not taking the word and running with it on an assumption of what you think it means. That's yeah. where lawyers get tricked. Yeah. And they Especially start doing things before they thought through. Yeah, if it's if it's a word that you use quite commonly in law or you did in a prove even if you're moving from one in-house rule to another in-house rule, the words mean different things in different businesses. It's not just legal and business. Totally. Terms. And it would be like next level is like once they've told you the win and the timing and it's like and so why are you doing it? Like why is it a win for you? Mm -hmm. And once you understand the whys behind the like what's then you are in a whole other world of, oh, okay. So you're really trying to get X, Y, Z because the C-suite leader of your function really wants that because it was promised two years ago and you never gotten there. And it's like, what the result that you're trying to get to support that promise can be achieved in many ways. You've come up with a great one. Yeah. But there are lots of other ways that require like almost no touch to things or that take on a bit more risk appetite to get there quicker. And very, very mm -hmm. quickly, you will see people like jump on board with these ideas and that's how you actually really support a win, but you have to yeah. be willing to like take the time to unpack it all with them instead of just getting an instruction and running, which is how lawyers are trained. Yeah, totally. It's, it's pretty creative almost actually. It's really tapping into that, that side. And like you said earlier, yeah. curiosity. Well, and it's Definitely. fun. It's more fun once you get there. Yeah. Yeah, a challenge at first, but fun afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And how important do you think it is for other departments um, and other stakeholders or anyone you're working with to be bought into legal, uh, the legal function? Yeah, I or mean, the, even the idea, the idea of legal in itself. So, I mean, I think it's critical to like your enjoyment of your job. Step one, mm -hmm. whether it's critical to the business and its success and like there's external factors there that can put pressure on other functions to work with you to the extent that they have to, for sure. Mm -hmm. And so some functions may require low touch, some may require high touch, like a big sales organization that requires contracts to be negotiated, may be forced to work with you whether they want to or not. So like you can always get to a baseline level with some functions out of a requirement mm -hmm. for a business. For me, I never want to live in that world. That's a horrible world to live in. You could have anybody else. I don't need to be there. Like, for me, I got to have relationships where I feel like I'm delivering value and being valued. 
from a human perspective, like I want to see it on their face that it's like, this yeah. was enjoyable because otherwise I feel like anybody else could do it. You yeah. know, like I don't care enough about the law on its own to do it no matter if people hated me. I couldn't yeah. care enough. I only care because if people are walking away being like, that was great. So much easier, so much further ahead. I actually even feel smarter because of it about things I never knew that I would know. And that actually helps me the next time. And and it was fun and funny. And that's great. To me, that's, you know, the magic. And so mm-hmm. for me, I'm always striving for that with every function. Yeah. And the way that I get there is not, it's kind of similar. Like I don't go in telling them like, legal's here. Here's what legal does. Here's what a great function is. Here's how you work with legal. It's way too much navel gazing. Nobody else cares. Mm-hmm. You got to get people to care about things for the reasons they want to care, not for the reasons you care. Yeah. And so, you know, I try to go in and this is, you know, it's just my natural curiosity and things, but I want to learn about them. Like, what is their function? What's been the journey? Where are they at now? Where are they trying to go? What do they hate? What do they like personally and from a work perspective? Like, can I help with any of that? Not just because like mm-hmm. legal could help with a process, but like, do you need some relationship bridge with this other function who you don't have it with? Like, how can we make life better? Mm-hmm. And then people say to themselves, like, what do they even think it through? They're like, this guy's trying to make my life better and he's trying to get to know me. That's great. Yeah. Then they're, auto, they're, they're much more naturally bought into, well, if he's trying to make yeah, my that- life better, when I interact with legal proactively or reactively, it shouldn't mm-hmm. suck and it's probably going to be better. So now, you know, what I've built over time and, you know, I hope that, to the extent that any one of my team members ever did watch this <laughs> is that I do feel like, especially, you know, as you build those deeper personal bonds, people will come to me on like, Hey, like non-legal things. Hey, I'm struggling with this thing from, you know, my communication with this or the way to get this project forward or my pricing model yeah. on this. I'm worried about this client reaction. And my reaction will be to present it like this. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Do a law. And lawyers yeah. should be careful enough to say that has nothing to do with law. You should love that. And you should understand what that means, which is like they value bouncing it off you. Yeah. And that's how you build a bond such that like when it is legal things that really should or must be touched by legal, you're not dragging the bodies around. If you're dragging yeah. bodies, you're going to be exhausted and you will never find enough humans to drag enough bodies because there's always more business folks than there are legal folks. You got to have them wanting to come to you because it makes life better. And that's personal relationship yeah. building and being selfless with your energy. Yes, I love that. And I love you keep dropping it in as well, kind of adding that fun aspect, uh, which I love as well. And I'm completely with you as well. It kind of breaks down the barriers that helps people put their guard down a little bit. And you're kind of almost working together to move forward rather than, you know, a request for please help. It's more collaborative, I suppose. And yeah, you've got to be it fun. really... For sure, you got to be so obsessed about what you do in any function from a technical perspective to want to do that without the preference for a really enjoyable relationship. Like there's not mm-hmm. that many people that I've ever met that are that obsessed with what they do that they're like, mm-hmm. I can work in the worst culture ever. I'm just so glad I get to build this code or whatever. Yeah. I don't know people like that. Most people I no. know, I like this thing. Sure. I could also do other things or I have done other things. You know what really matters to me is that people see me they're listening to me, whether or not they can do something with what I say, but they Mm -hmm. understand that I'm trying to provide value here and are giving me a chance to get my voice heard and Mm -hmm. want to learn about me. If you do that and you try to throw some jokes in, you are going to get so much more connectivity, but 
but you have to understand that it takes time to get there. And that will mean that for some of the day, you will not be typing on the keyboard. That is not your value prop anymore. There is some typing, but typing can be done by anyone. You're supposed to be a relationship builder, step one, because then you can help people think in a more rigorous way. If you have the entire business thinking in more levels of rigor, there are Mm -hmm. way fewer things, and especially lower value things that will come to you. And that's better. But it takes time. Don't take people's definitions for a win at face value. Drill down, ask questions and stay curious to understand their true motivations and goals. Other routes to achieve these might become apparent. So how can we reduce friction in these relationships? Well, one way to do so is with the help of legal tech. Uh, That's quite a nice segue actually onto um, what is the role of legal tech in all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think especially if you're in, you know, a tech industry, if you're in like volume type play, if you care about your data, this is massive, but I think it's also going to be table stakes very, very, very soon. And so, you know, when I came to the portfolio, because these were all independently smaller companies before, they were doing the classic like 15 page Word document and like the legal or some business person fills in the yellow fields. And like, not only is that (laughs) painful for every reason, the creation of it you're just asking people to negotiate with you because if you mix your commercial and legal terms, any business person is going to start negotiating the commercial terms. And then they're like two things. One is, well, I'm already in the document. I might as well negotiate legal things to the extent that I can Google them. And, or two is they're going to say, this is a long document with lots of words. I should get a lawyer to look at this. And then you're just asking for friction and pain. So it's no way to scale a business. The other big thing, and this is where I think lawyers really should drive the value prop is data. You should be using a tool that uses data first to drive your one to two page contract with links at the bottom that move into like product agnostic legal terms and your, you know, product description or your service description. But it's the data that matters because, and this is how lawyers, I think successful industry lawyers think is they explain value for things that the business values. And so when I brought in legal tech, to do our contract generation. I didn't say it's because like, I don't want to be populating yellow fields. Of course, I didn't want to be populating yellow fields. It's not the point. Nobody cares. (laughs) They actually think it's your job when they don't understand the value you can bring. What I said to Mm. them is, so we got thousands of clients based on all this M&A. How do we best understand how to support these clients? Yep. With the data. Well, if the data is done separately in your kind of CRM system from the contracts, Often there's differences. Yeah. And if you don't have good data because it's not required to generate a contract and it's inconsistent with what ended up being in the final version of the PDF thing, then you actually cannot support your business internally and with your clients in a very smart way because the truth, there's two versions of truth. Mm-hmm. And if the client ever fights you on it, it's on the PDF version of truth, which is not yes. the data-driven version of truth. And so the way that I explain it to people is you want your data, you want it to be right, You want to get it all the time so you can slice and dice it to help internal employees and also help the industry and your your clients and your stakeholders better. And you want to be able to do it all the time with confidence. Well, how are you going to do that if we're using 15-page Word documents? Impossible. The second benefit is there is no world that legal should be the gatekeeper of generating contracts. That's madness. That's madness. Like client-facing people should want 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And employees are all over the globe now. So they're on all different time scales. 
Mm -hmm. They should want to be able to go into their CRM system and generate a contract themselves. Why wouldn't you, if you're paid based on signing clients or renewing clients, you should want the flexibility to be like, Hey, set it up in a structure with drop downs and optionality that's been, you know, yeah. pre-vetted for the company's goals and let me generate contracts through an e-signing process. That should be no yeah. touch. You know, like if you're, if, if I'm getting paid on a commission basis, I want that. I don't want to be asking Chad, Hey, uh, which version is it now? Can you pop the yellow field? The client's got, you're not making money. And you're not getting clients into the product. It makes no sense. And so I think if you focus on those things, the business folks are like, yes, yes, that's exactly what I want. Okay. Yes. Now step two is how do we get there? It's not word documents. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tech. And just because it has legal on the front, it doesn't really matter. It's just tech. Yes. There's lots of debate around the name legal tech, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It like makes it feel like a lawyer has to own it. A lawyer actually shouldn't even own legal tech in many respects. It mm -hmm. should be. And I know some functions are building out like legal ops and, you know, bless them. You know, I wish that I had it too, but not every SME is going to give a legal function, legal ops people. The way mm -hmm. that I think you build it out otherwise is the client facing functions. They should have ops functions. They often do sales ops, rev ops, whatever. Those people already know the CRM systems which mm -hmm. is what kind of the legal tech integrates with anyway. So they're actually best positioned with your guidance and oversight on templates, template offers, whatever it is yep. to generate it themselves when the client facing people need the help. It shouldn't be lawyers. Yeah. You're wasting and, money. And why would the lawyer want that as well? As well, well, like we were saying to free up that time to focus on other things. And you can still be involved in like the client side of the contracting by like, you're always going to have new offers. And so you're always going to need to like tweak the CRM system for like the new offers. You mm -hmm. still have the legal terms and conditions that live on a website that get negotiated with certain clients anyways. So you're still going to be involved in that. But lawyers should never want to be populating like vanilla level things. Yeah. You're wasting your energy. You need your energy to think about every novel data law that every new jurisdiction wants to come up with tomorrow, you know, and trying to figure out your company's risk appetite or like M&A or strategic projects or leading business projects to get more embedded. Like these are the things that I think, you know, really strong industry lawyers want to do. Completely. Yeah, I agree. It's good. Empower, empowering the business teams to. And they should want even it. If, even from a purely selfish perspective for for the lawyer, yeah, to just free up your time. So it's, it is kind of a win-win-win. A win. thousand percent. With any new change, <laughs> a little bit of friction, but any person that's driven by signing and renewing clients, and especially if like their value or their, or their pay is based on that, why mm -hmm. would they want an intermediary? Yeah. They would never want an intermediary once you get them through the friction of understanding a new process, like any change yeah. management. So that's exactly. the magic of like, you bring in legal tech, it's not just integrating it and selling it, whatever it's, it's change management. Yeah. And the right story. But then once you get there, then the business people are going to like, if you ever ask them, Hey, you want to go back to the 15 page word contracts that you populate? They'd be like, what? You know, Hell no. would I be? Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> or like your head of like client account management, you'd be like, Hey, do you want the word contracts again? They'd be like, but then the data will never be true. And so you kind of realize in time, that mm -hmm. if you, if you know what the pain is you're solving for the future, you use that story now. Yes, completely. It is a, I mean, pain's a, sh a strong word, but yeah, short-term pain for long-term gain, I think. It can Definitely. be painful, but the long-term pain is worse. You know, <laughs> yes. like the C-suite and, and the VPs and everybody, they're, they're going to want data. And if the data is not credible, they will feel pain in that moment. 
Because yeah. if you've got like analytical senior folks, if you present something without clean data, they're going to pick you apart. And so that's pain. And so what's a bit of pain on change management of like integrating this tech that makes your value prop as a business person so much more credible and quick so that when you mm -hmm. get a demand for like, hey, I want this slice of the data in this market on these client types that are coming up for renewal this year so that we can price point it. Give me that. Well, mm -hmm. if the data is there and you can grab it, well, don't you look like a legend? Other yes. than anecdotal, I think it's like 20% of our clients and you don't look professional. Yeah. So you got to help people create value, understand the value of their own job and then layer in one element of it, which is legal tech, a variety of other tech, but like layering that in as a support to their value. That's how you get there the quickest. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. I think we, we've covered a lot around kind of building a legal function from the ground up, particularly from a kind of relationships perspective. So I think that's absolutely crucial. Um, have we missed anything that you think is important? Um, I guess like the, the, the next phase that you move into is like, how do you build your function beyond you? Mm -hmm. Because like, as you start automating the company, the company has the ability and like fuel in the tank to grow and it'll start to grow. And so then there becomes like lots of valuable things you can work on, but then lots of them and your time gets yeah. eaten up again. And so then it kind of becomes this ability to like, how do you like, like attract and retain good talent? Where do you get them from? How are you transparent on the opportunity for all the pros and cons? Like when I hire, I try to be really transparent. I try I, and I tell applicants, I say like, I'm now going to put myself in your shoes of like where you are. And here's mm -hmm. all the things I'd be spinning around in my head of what I wanted to know, good and bad. I'm just going to tell you them so that you don't have to feel nervous. Because the thing that I think is troublesome is when you leave a vacuum of information for people, most people don't go to the most positive place. Most yeah. people spin on negativity that may or may not be true. And so what I tell them is like, every job is going to have some percentage of it that isn't what you'd ideally be wanting to do today because every company's on a continuum and you're on a continuum as a human. Here's the things that are amazing for this company at this time, this opportunity, here's the things that take more legwork right now so that we can get it to the amazing spot. You will be involved in all of those things. You know, like mm -hmm. I try to explain to people the percentage of their day, how it'll break out, what will be great, what will be great learning for them, knowing where they're coming from, what parts are going to be harder and take more energy because, you know, I'm not, I think humans have more emotional capacity than we give them credit for. And mm -hmm. I think that if, we worry too much about their fear of like, oh, I just heard about the scary things. I don't want to do it. Good, good. You don't want those people anyway. And so let them go. And for the other folks who are like, appreciate the transparency, that's fair. There's always going to be a percentage of things that aren't my ideal state. And now I know them. Mm -hmm. Now it becomes a thing they know instead of yep. the other opportunities that are being like a bit secretive about the bad parts. Yeah. And then they make a value opportunity where they say like, yeah, I know this thing, but going in eyes wide open, I'm going to bring my mental energy to it. And thank you for being transparent about it. And I trust you. That yeah. trust that when you like have a small legal team is like really important because there's nowhere else for them to go. And there's nowhere yeah. else for you to go versus a law firm where there's lots of people you can work with. And so when you hire, you need somebody who's bought into what you're trying to build with you as a human because it's such a small team. And so I think that that transparency upfront it's really important to get that buy-in so that that person then forms part of your like legal team brand because when you're so small your brand now hinges on you and one other person 
So it's Completely. heavily weighted on your hires. And so I guess that would be my like parting piece of advice for like that next stage as you've done all the other things we talked about and now you're looking to hire. For me, I always index hire on. If I'm you at this stage of your career, this is what I'd, based on what I know about you, what I'd want to learn, what your weak spots are. Here's the good and the bad about this opportunity, how it's going to support you. And here's the part you're going to need more mental energy on. I just mm -hmm. want you to know the realities of this thing because I want you to yeah. buy into it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. No problem. I, I found that to work out well, yeah. or, you know, what I'm looking for. Exactly. Better to find the right people than take on someone that it doesn't quite fit. Yeah, look at the workforce. They'll leave anyway. Exactly. It's not like people are nervous to leave. So what, you trick them and then they stay for three months and then they realize that there's all these things they didn't know they weren't going to like and then they just roll out? Like, yeah. there's no value to you on that. Yeah. I think Completely. we just got to get over the fear a little bit and trust the emotional capacity of humans to make that decision. I think yeah. humans have more than, than sometimes we think they do. I think we get too scared that they'll yeah. be too frightened. And I think I for those agree. people that are frightened away, that's okay. Yeah, completely. And I think that weaves through everything that you've said today. Of just it's a, a more human approach to things, which can be difficult in a professional setting, but worth it yeah. when you get there. For sure. It allows you to scale because you build relationships and the relationships allow you to bring in tools that let you scale. Yeah. I think sometimes you conflate the two things and we think that, well, if we're being more human, then we're not going to scale. You hmm. don't run the business as a lawyer. The business runs the business. You need yep. them to want to do the things that you know help scale your function mm -hmm. and the company. How do you get there? You get them to trust you and to like you as a human and be an authentic human. That's how you do it. So the one-to-one -one mm -hmm. time is early. You build it, build it, build it, and then you can allow yourself to scale. It'll, it'll look kind of like this, not like this linear piece that just ticks along because mm -hmm. that probably means you're in documents all day. Well, what a good point to end on. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. There's yeah, so many great, great nuggets in there that'll be super useful for anyone um, building out their legal function or even just working in, within one and trying to communicate better with teams across the business. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining oh, well, us. Thank you so much for having me and for doing this, like creating the platform that allows lawyers to get more insight. Like it's a pretty kind of vacuumed profession in terms of like, People aren't talking about this stuff enough. Mm -hmm. And so credit to you guys for like creating a platform that brings some visibility to it because, you know, lawyers, there's so much to learn about even being a lawyer. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. Definitely. No, no, thank you. All feedback welcome to always improve. So thank you so much. <laughs>